me, it's about that open communication to say, what are our big overarching goals? How can we get there together? Because we need a diversity of opinions, mindsets, right? That framework, like a patchwork, really, of how does that look together? How are we bringing our strengths to where they become, here, I'm going to sound really 90s, but like, where's the synergy? Where's the one plus one equals three? And I'm excited to introduce a good friend of mine, Steve Baker. Now, Steve and I met a long time ago, if you count in hours. It was a, you know, a week ago or so, and I saw him speak, and I said, this guy has got it, and I need to get him on my program. Hey, Steve, welcome to the program. How you doing? Jim, it is great to be here. Thank you so much for having me great. after all these hours. It is interesting, though. I feel like I've known you for a long time. And I think what solidified everything was after you spoke, I came up to you like a fan. And I said, oh, that was great. Um, <laughs> and then, it, you know, coincidentally, a friend of ours was putting together a dinner and you and I both ended up at that table. So there you go. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's always good to meet a friend I hadn't met yet. I was really impressed with what you had to say and how you said it. And there's something about your voice. People were saying, gosh, that guy's got like a broadcast voice. And I'm like, well, wait a second. That's what I do. I was a little envious. You know, it's true. So why don't you tell everybody what you were talking about last week? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks again for having me. I just I love uh, talking about this stuff because it's absolutely changed my life. Um, we were talking about the great game of business. Uh, a lot of people have never heard of it. It's been around for a long time. In fact, yesterday we celebrated our 40th anniversary, um, February 1st, 1983. My boss, <laughs> Jack Stack, and 12 other managers bought out a dying division of International Harvester, trying to save 100 jobs or so. And uh, what we were talking about last week was that story and how uh, Jack and his team turned around uh, a company that should have been shut down uh, simply because they taught everyone in the factory how they made money and generated cash. And back in the 80s, that was business heresy. Today, it's a lot more transparent world out there, but you'd be surprised at how few people actually know how the financials work or how they're connected to them. So we spent, um, I believe we spent about five hours uh, on stage and in with the group, you know, talking about uh, how small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses all do this open book management thing, as it's called. And the great game of business is our approach, which is to make business approachable and uh, even a little fun. So what's the real secret sauce here? People are listening and they're saying, OK, I like the way this guy's talking. How can he help me and my organization? Mm -hmm. Well, um, depending on who's listening, I'll, I'll run it by you a couple of different ways. Um, I just got an email Monday. Um, about the new Gallup numbers. So they do these employee engagement numbers. And then the report Monday was, um, and bear with me because I'm going from memory here, um, in the United States, in our workforce, 32% of your employees are actively engaged in their work. 18% um, are actively disengaged, meaning they're doing other stuff just because they hate it so much. Sure. <laughs> and then what, if you do the math, that leaves 50% in the middle, 50%, half of them are just looking one way and the next going, well, I, all you want is leadership. Where, where do I go? So they're, you know, they're showing up for work. They're punching the clock, doing whatever. All I'm trying to say is the reason that we miss people so often, this employee engagement issue that we have in the United States is because we, 
we basically try to dumb business down to the, a few key metrics that where we say, if you just do this, just turn that wrench or write this line of code or do whatever, you know, take these photographs, whatever. Um, I'm telling you, man, it is so much cooler to understand why we do it, mm-hmm. how we do it better than everyone else, and how we can make an impact in our communities and, and lives of other people, and of course, our own lives. So I think the secret sauce, Jim, is teaching people why the owners are so jazzed about what they do. And everybody listening out there is doing it for a reason. I mean, look, let's get beyond the, hey, I'm trying to put my kids through school or I'm trying to build my orthodontist a lake house or whatever the thing is that they're working for. <laughs> Go beneath it and say, um, if, if you don't love it, I'd really like to talk to you. I'd really like to talk to you and hopefully counsel you to something else. But those of you who are listening and you go, I really love having my own business. It gives me freedom. It gives me opportunity. I'm building value. I'm creating jobs. Now we're talking, man. How can we make America better by teaching people business? It's not that hard. That's what I would say. And, you know, it's really important that as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as management, you have to deep down inside, have a reason to do what you do. You have to have passion. The tricky part, though, is does your team, the employees, share your passion? And a lot of them don't. But it's possible to get them on board, isn't it? It is. And and really, when I think about service businesses in particular, it would be really easy um, to judge people and say, well, they're just here for the paycheck. Uh, you know, they don't get it like I get it. But have we ever tried to share the passion or why we're passionate about it? Because maybe someone, not everyone's going to hook onto that thing. But um, what we have found through the years is that employees worry about a certain set of things like, uh, will I have a job tomorrow? Will I get a check? And will it cash? (laughs) Owners are worried about competition, uh, material costs, labor costs, you know, whatever it is. Well, what if employees understood the owner's side a little bit more? That's a big deal because now it's like, wait a minute, job security comes from building a great company, right? And so if we, if we taught them what the owners knew, that's the secret sauce, but we hide it away. We lock it in a vault. In fact, a lot of folks just aren't comfortable with the financials themselves, mm. but you don't have to be an accountant. All you have to do is understand how we make money how we bring it in, what we spend it on, what's left and what do we do with it? So my suggestion is, why do you carry all the weight, entrepreneur? right? Every man and woman listening to this thing, you're carrying all the weight. You're worried about payroll. No one else is. No one else is worried about the stuff you're staying awake at night about. What if you shared a little bit of the stress? Could be pretty freeing. No, absolutely. I remember years ago, I was working for a good-sized company back before I became an entrepreneur, back when I was an employee of a larger company. And the company um, was in Chapter 11. And management, the CEO down, got a lot of the employees involved in what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I joined that organization when they were going through all this. I remember the CEO, he interviewed me. He said, are you sure you want to run into this burning building? And I said, well, yeah, because the opportunity is huge because you're offering me something at a high level that no one else is. So let's go. And I was young and, you know, how bad could it be? I'll just find another job. But they're very transparent with all the numbers every number to the last penny. And I thought that was interesting because no other company prior showed us any of that. They they didn't expose any of that. And I felt that I was really deep into the organization. I felt that 
that they trusted me and they wanted my opinion and they wanted me to know. How about that? I mean, where else before in your career, in that example, where else, Jim, did you find anyone that trusted you enough or respected you enough to tell you anything about the financial workings of the business? It wasn't my job. I mean, it, it wasn't my it wasn't my business. I'll tell you a quick story. The company I worked for prior to that, I went up to the vice president of sales and it was my boss's boss. So a couple levels above me and I had a good relationship with him. His name was Jim, like mine. I had a really good idea on how to help grow our division that I was working in. So I said, hey, Jim, I've got this great idea. And I must have caught him on a bad day. He looked at me and said to me, Jim, just do your job. Oh, yeah. Didn't want you for your big ideas. Yeah. So then I left a few months later to go to that other company that exposed everything to me or opened up everything to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting, isn't it? So you left security yes. and a good job because they really didn't need you there. That was the message. It and was, you went it, into the burning building because they totally needed you. Mm -hmm. Look at that, everybody. That is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Because, you know, the big things, Jim, that, that we hear when, when somebody says, you want me to become transparent and teach? It's not just expose them to the numbers. Teach them the numbers? Mm -hmm. I don't have time for that. You know, plus, I don't want them to find out what I make. Well, we don't share salary information. Yeah. What if they find out the company's making money? They're going to want more. Good God, they already want more. I want more, and I'm the best employee in the world. And finally, what, what if the numbers are bad? They're going to run for the hills. No, they typically won't. The dead weight will mm -hmm. because they, they aren't there for you. They're there for themselves. What we're looking for is those people who go, wow, like, like you. you. Jim Clouck said, I am going to go in here because there's an opportunity. There's a challenge. Who else do we want? But hungry people who aspire for better things. Yeah, so you do know this. And so I'm going to ask you the question, how do managers and business owners get around this? The most important person to any person is themselves, always. Mm -hmm. And you could argue that with me all day long, but I'll argue back. The most important person is themselves. They want to hear their name. They want to see it on the marquee. They want to get paid more. They don't want to be disrespected. It's all about them. They take it personally in general. So that being the case... How do you take the average personality and make it work in the organization where if it's all about the employee, how do you make them kind of change their mind and get them involved? Yeah, I love that, Jim. And Jim, let me tell you what I would tell Jim. You see what I've been doing there? I see that. You're making, <laughs> you're making me feel better or you're disciplining me like my father did. Jim, Jim. <laughs> yeah, that would be James. <laughs> so... I love that, man. You are so right. And you know what? I think that is good. I think self-interest is important. It's like hardwired into us. It's survival. Because yeah. if we don't worry about ourselves, how are we going to take care of our families, our teammates, our children, you know, all of that stuff? So what I would suggest is this. What if uh, everybody just got a little pen out right now and wrote down these words, people support what they help create. So what if it wasn't just the owner's game? The owner's job, the manager's job, the leader's job is to teach people what game we're in. This is our marketplace. Here's the economy. Here's our competitors. Here's what our customers are saying. Here's the stuff we offer. Like macro to micro, outward in. But most people don't do that. They start out by going, well, I did this much last year, add 10%, and we'll try to hit that. And then we'll try to do this. Yeah. They aren't looking at the market-based stuff. So what we end up doing is we, the people that are actually creating the numbers in the business are the people that work for us. 
That is the reality. For good or for bad, they're creating the numbers in the business. Unless you're doing everything, then that's a different story. But what I'm trying to get at is, what if we taught those folks why it's important to us? Again, going back to what I mentioned earlier, and what if they, this people support what they help create, what if they said, well, you know what I'd like to do? We were at the soft wash conference last week. Mm-hmm. You know, what if what if I changed the formula or what if I um, if I were just a little more efficient with my time? Are you saying I could get a little bonus or a spiff because I got three houses in instead of two? I mean, ask them what they think would happen. Or could I work on on uh, Sundays so that I can have Wednesdays off to take my kid, you know, on donuts with dad or something? You know, I don't care. The job gets done. The work gets done. I'm happy. But now you know what I've got. I've got something that no competitor can do. And that is a direct link to their heart. It is not just their head or their hands I want. I want their heart. I want them to know that we have a culture of ownership, a culture of winning, a culture where no one else can be that sticky. Yeah, they can offer 50 cents more an hour, a dollar an hour, maybe $2 more an hour. But will that last? That's where we got to teach them the marketplace. Look at Twitter. Look at, uh, look at every tech company laying people off. In the Wall Street Journal the other day, there was an article in smaller type down in the corner uh, where someone was adding 10,000 jobs in the next two years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why is that a headline? It yeah. wasn't a tech company, yeah. mind you. But you see what I'm getting at is like, there's always opportunities. And we, this audience here, we are talking about where jobs are created in the United States. This is the backbone of our economy. Yeah, it's interesting. So I was just thinking about what my ex-boss's boss said, Jim. He said, just do your job. You're saying, no, 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 no. Um, listen to them. <laughs> listen to the, the team members. See how you can give them what they want as human beings, which is good for the entire organization. Isn't that what you're telling me? It doesn't cost you anything to capture ideas. You have to have a heart. put it on a flip chart <laughs> and, and say, and here's our parking lot, you know, and, and put a date on it. Some of the exercises that we did at the conference, Jim, were around those things. Like, how do you capture these ideas? How do you decide which ones to do? Um, How do you let people build their own self-funding incentive program around an improvement or an objective? Well, that's all part of the great game of business. And I'm not here to sell it. I'm just saying, what if you ask people um, a different way? Even if they're wrong, just being heard separates you from the herd. That was not meant to be what it sounded like, but I'm like, that's kind of brilliant. I might put that in the next book. I like that. But but everybody, if you treat them like livestock, they're going to act like livestock and it isn't going to be the kind you want. So what if we had thoroughbreds? What if we had people who were were groomed and and cared for and taught and trained? And those soft wash people, man, they go out of their way to really train their people because they realize that's one of their big differentiators. And in life, since the dawn of time, there's only two strategies cheapest or most differentiated. That's it. It's interesting. I I would say for generations, people went to work and it was a means to an end, right? Mm -hmm. Nine to five, but they might stay with the electric company their entire career. They would retire with them at 60, 65. That doesn't happen anymore. No one's loyal on either side. But wouldn't it be nice if organizations could be more loyal, would open up their ears, their eyes, and their hearts to help Mm -hmm. out the team members, which ultimately helps the organization, which ultimately brings profit sharing and bonuses, and everyone wins. And even the consumer wins, most likely. 
That's right. Because you can be more competitive when you're a more efficient, better organization. In fact, that's what uh, Jack, our founder and CEO today, what he learned 40 years ago when he went to borrow an outrageous sum of money from a bank to save jobs, they didn't care about the jobs. The banks wanted to know when are you going to pay the money back? Of right? Are you a good credit risk? So he had to learn their language. And what's powerful about it is he turned it back on the marketplace and said, what if I make every guy that turns a wrench in this factory into a smart, sharp business person? Do you think everyone stayed? No, because not everybody wants the responsibility of thinking and acting like an owner, right? And I'm not saying an equity owner, but I will tell you one thing for sure is if you want to do this, you will you will filter through people in a different way. You'll find better people. They'll stay longer. They will be more innovative. You'll grow the business. But the other thing too is you'll grow as a person because you will learn where your weak spots are, right? It's like, I better learn how to communicate better, or I better learn the financials a little bit better myself. Those kinds of things are just, it's part of, you know, you and I are alike in so many ways, Jim. We both believe in creating an opportunity for people to become their best selves, a best version of themselves. Yes. And we do that personally. Well, what is the choice? I have found, and this is something I've been writing about quite a bit lately. We talked a little bit about it at dinner. In, in life, you only have two choices. Again, I'm probably dumbing things down, but it's growth or decay. Mm. Physically, you work out every day. You're, you're not just uh, moseying along. You're working out for a health reason. That triggers your body to grow in a positive way. If you sit on the couch for a couple of weeks, your, your brain will literally trigger uh, catabolism, which is where cells will be sent out to, it's the wrecking crew. Oh you're gosh. not using your thighs, it'll tear it down. Yeah, yeah. That's why, you know, you see people atrophy so quickly. Well, the body is saying, grow or die, grow or die, grow. Business is the same. Yes. So what are we going to do? I'm suggesting to you that if you, if this stuff appeals to you, if you're even listening to this program, holy cow, you belong in this crew, man. This is the, the cohort that will win because we choose to win rather than just having life happen to us. We're going to go out and happen. And we need more people to do that with us. We can't do it alone, in my opinion. I totally agree. And so you and I met at a conference, Soft Wash a Palooza. So what I'll say to everybody out there, and I guess this makes a lot of sense, but if you go to a convention, a conference, a trade show, if you go to any educational thing, a coaching program, and you're investing time and money, so are the other people, and you're going to be surrounded by great people. So there's a great byproduct of going there. I mean, look, I met you. So- yeah. And so everyone in that room wanted to grow. That's why they were there. They invested time and money into it. And they're all going to do way better in their businesses than their competition. And the people within the organization are going to follow that leader. And not all leaders are the same. And not all people are the same. So here's my next question for you. As a leader, a manager, the CEO, the owner, but it's really that leader of the organization or one of the leaders. How do you motivate? How do you incentivize? How do you get each one of those minds and hearts to be engaged? Because they all have different motives. It's like children. You have children. I've got children. My children aren't the same, so I don't manage them the same. I can't. And I don't manage my wife the same either. And yes, I do manage her. But in any case, <laughs> I love her. <laughs> That's another episode. She manages me too. But seriously, 
we do manage people in our lives, whether they're relatives, neighbors, a boss, a subordinate. So how do you manage all that? How does that work? Well, it I think it's going to sound oversimplified again, but I'm telling you, it is uh, a leader's job is is to lead. Let's start with ourselves. So why don't we model the behavior we want people to uh, to follow? We don't want them to all be like us. We don't want clones, no. although that could be handy um, for, for parts, you know. <laughs> but let's be honest. I mean, I don't want everybody to be like me because there's probably a better person younger than me out there. I just haven't found them yet. So I love like all of our young people at Great Game because they bring something new that I don't either have the tolerance for or the uh, information or the experience. I know that sounds weird, but I'm learning more from them than they learn from me. And yet, if they were on the show, they would be telling you the opposite, right? Wow, well, he brings the experience or the he just came from the road and he heard this at a conference. So to me, it's about that open communication to say, what are our big overarching goals? How can we get there together? Because we need a diversity of opinions, uh, mindsets, um, right? That that framework, or that's, that's not the word I'm looking for, like a like a patchwork, really, of how does that look together? How are we bringing our strengths to where they become, you know, as here, I'm going to sound really 90s, but like, where's the synergy? Where's the one plus one equals three instead of the one and one is two, and we're always fighting each other? What if we turned our attention and our competitive spirit and all the good gifts that we've been given and that we should be developing? What if we turn them toward the marketplace? toward the competition, toward the problem, instead of toward each other. And that's what we do constantly as Americans. We're bitching and moaning, complaining instead of doing. And I think that's because we get bored. We figure no one cares. And I would tell you that a good portion of my team, if you ask them personally, uh, um, how much time is spent on uh, work conversations versus general things, they they probably have a hard time saying, I don't know where it begins and ends because it's a flow, right? Work-life balance give me a break. It's okay. It's a blend. We don't get a choice about that. That's an opinion. But what if we cared about our people? Like I know, you know, I remember this morning I asked Chris, how's your, how's your dad doing? You know, cause he told me what was going on and this and that. I, I really do like him. So why don't you act like it? We can do that in seconds. It doesn't have to be a half hour water cooler conversation. We can still have work getting done and we can still care. Sure. Overarching goal is important. So it's a family business, even though they may not be related by blood. Okay. Probably and easier that they're not. Well, <laughs> let's not go down that road. Of course not. We're, <laughs> let's not go to therapy now. So true. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like going back 300 years where everyone in town helped each other? There would be barn raisings and so forth. Everyone seemed to work better together. Someone's got a chicken, so I need some eggs. Well, I have some extra carrots and corn. Is it that type of thing? You know, think about those times. Mm -hmm. Everybody was an entrepreneur because if you needed shoes, you either had to make them or trade for them. So you had to create value that someone else needed because maybe someone doesn't need eight loaves of bread. (laughs) My name's Baker. I assume there was a baker somewhere in it. You know, so (laughs) they only need one loaf of bread. How do I, you know, and that's where currency came in and all that. What I'm suggesting is what if, if we took that same approach to our own organizations and said, um, what are we all bringing to this stone soup, which is kind of oh, the picture. Great book. <laughs> great book. Right. <laughs> yeah. What if we brought it all together and we knew they weren't equal? They were different mm-hmm. and they and it was equitable and it was, you know, they were building a greater company because re- regardless of what we believe, folks 
It is not the stuff that you do. It's not the stuff you make or the services you provide. The real objective of any business is to build a great company because that's where value exists. Because won't you get great quality, great customer service, on-time delivery, all that stuff, if you're building a great company? Yes. But can you give great customer service to the point where you go out of business? Yes. Yeah. You could give it all away. So you know if you're building a great company, you start in the in the center and you work outward, you go, well, I'm going to have to have great service. Uh, I'm going to have to do a really good job. I'm going to have to be awesome at marketing. I'm going to have to do... But one of those things alone is not what you base your business on. It's about a good business will have good marketing and good customer service, et cetera. You, you see what I'm getting at? All the of company it. is all of it. It took me a long time to learn that. I thought it was all about you, you're buying a personality, you're buying a service. It's just nuts and bolts. And it's just, you know, um, it's just who's cheapest. That's really how I was raised oh. by working with big retailers yep, yep. on the selling side. And I'm telling you, they were trained to beat me up and I was trained to lie to them. Not really. I mean, to market to them, I guess, is the way it was. <laughs> we know. We know. Yes. The yeah. beauty of it was it taught me a lesson, which is, man, there's a lot of people selling stuff that has no value. I can't wait to work somewhere someday where we're helping people. And now I get to do it full time. It's amazing. Yeah, that's exciting. What's the best way for people to reach you? Because I know a lot of people are like, okay, I need to talk to Steve. This is awesome. Well, um, I tell you what, I came prepared. Oh. So this is Jack's original book, The Great Game of Business. We're going to give everybody that's listening to uh, Jim Clouck. This is uh, free to you in audio form at greatgame.com slash Steve. So in the show notes, you might throw yep. in greatgame.com slash Steve. I'll put the link uh, in there. The whole audio book. Um, that'll give you the the reference point. It's been around a long, long time. This book has been cited in a, like 130 other best-selling business books. It's been around forever. Uh, also included on that page for free is a uh, a chapter out of my book, Get in the Game, which is the cookbook to Jack's original great game of business. This is the 10 steps. So I'm giving you one of the steps, which is building mini games or what we call those 90-day self-funding incentive programs. So it's free, no obligation. It's just go check it out. See if it's right for you because that's really the key. Does it fit you and your culture? And do you do you think it would help? And I would say, how could it not help? Right? I mean, what no. is your culture? I worked for many companies where you showed up, you were given, you know, the employee manual right? What to do, what not to do, how to do it, and what to sell it for, where to sit, who to talk to, don't talk to the CEO, you know, whatever it was, all these rules. But that's the way it always was. But everything's changed. There's, There's a great opportunity for you and your organization to take advantage of what's going on. And if you don't do this type of thing, your team members will find a place to go. So many people, Steve, and you know this for sure, so many people want to work for an organization for a cause. What's the cause? That was never a thing when I worked. I'm telling you. The only cause was was profit and, and margin and, you know, whatever it was, okay? But now people are like, so, Mr. Employer, if I come work for you, what's it all about? And it's a whole different world, but that's what the younger generations want. And it's a great opportunity for us older people to get on the ball. 
It is. And, and the way I, uh, first of all, I love how you brought that up because to me, it's about, you know, you read, there are a lot of great books out there on values-driven leadership, purposeful leadership, different things like that, but you can't manufacture it, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm going to save uh, the wetlands for the ducks. Well, tell me exactly what we're doing to help out with that. But <laughs> who says that, a? and I use the example of a plumber before, who says that a plumber can't be like, the coolest guy in his community because of what he does with big brothers and big sisters or whatever mm -hmm. his passion is, because there's no rule that says you can't do good and do well at the same time. In fact, we say mo money, mo mission. So yeah. it doesn't matter what you are. Don't tell me that, well, but we're not, we're, we're kind of in the, you know, a rough and tumble business and man, you know, it's not like a charity or anything. No, it isn't. But you make money and generate cash. What are you doing with it? So give people an opportunity to be the the service provider with a heart or the service provider that is local and cares about you. And I, I just had, can I share another story? Absolutely. Okay, here's where, here's what's coming down the pipeline to all of you, small to mid-sized business folks. I'm telling you, I had lunch with a guy who provides Walmart, right? He's a distributor of stuff. Uh, he provides Walmart with like printing and in-store displays and all that sort of thing. Their big push right now is to put murals, I'm talking big, gigantic murals in the stores, especially the neighborhood markets of local artists. Now, what's the pitch? It's yeah. that we love you so much. We're part of the, we're in the community, we're in the arts and all that sort of thing. So there, you can argue it both ways. You can say, oh, they don't care. It's just, you know, they're spending money and making it happen. Or maybe they do care, or maybe they saw someone else doing it. It doesn't matter. My point is, if you don't show how you are, loving your community, I'm telling you, the big guys are coming and they don't care. They got billions behind it to say, I mean, I was just like blown away. I'm going, people need to know that this is happening because it's one example, right? What else are they doing? Well, they're going to be giving money here. They're going to be showing up there. They're here to pretty soon. People will be like, well, I don't know. That plumber sure doesn't care. I can't do well and do good together. Yes. And when you're doing good, don't just pick something out of the blue saying, we want to start giving money to this group because it's a group that could use it. Well, what's your experience? Did anyone in your family die of cancer? You know, do you know talk, any, right? Talk that, to me from the heart. Exactly. Because I've had some people say, you know, I need to find a cause now. I'm like, well, slow down. Oh, no, Jim, I really need to because... I need to show I care. And I said, well, you're not showing me you care right now. You're just showing me that you want to have people think you care. And that's not authentic, and it will come out in the wash. That's not good. So how do people find their cause? Because everyone has one, but how do they find it? There's what a question. So I'm going to tell you a story about SRC. So that's our uh, parent company, right? There's 10 companies, 2,000 people. Uh, and we've never laid anybody off in 40 years, if you can believe that, because Jack cares about jobs first. Incredible. He, he got so fed up with people coming and saying, hey, we want money for the softball team. Hey, we want money for um, the Red Cross. Hey, we want money. for." He said, here's a budget. Had the, the leadership team come up. This is many years before I even showed up here. And uh, they created the community. Um, uh, there's a better name for it. It's a community committee is what it is. Mm -hmm. Community relations is what it is. The CRC, Community Relations Committee. 
and people volunteer to serve on it. They have a nice budget and every year it gets bigger and they have to decide where the money goes. And it, there is a process, there are rules, there is a, you know, it is about you are representing SRC in our community. By the way, what's cool about it here, I had never served on a board of directors before I got here 17 years ago. What I found out is that I was more likely, the smarter I got, the more I wanted to give back in my community. I sit on the board of a not-for-profit credit union because I'm passionate about personal finance. I don't want people to struggle like I did as a young man. I mean, now there's an example. What kept you up at night when you were a little bit younger? What's keeping you up tonight? And maybe it is a cancer thing. Maybe it's financial literacy. Maybe it's something that maybe you were adopted, but don't make it up. It's about authenticity. And what if you didn't have to worry about it? What if you said, you know what? We're going to do this. We'll have a little committee. Even if you're a three-person deal, why do you have to decide where the donation goes, where the, the volunteer time goes? You can go and Mr. Plumber, right? Go fix the pipes at the convent locally or something. And sure. let the, you know, let the, the church community uh, make a big deal out of it. So it really is about authenticity and being genuine because our young people, they smell that BS on you like you stepped in it if it's not real. And then it's off. You're, They're like, I'm going to find someplace else. You're right about it. They're a different breed. And, you know, God bless them because our generation, all we cared about is, uh, you know, profit, I guess. I mean, it, you know, it's really, well, it's, it's kind of interesting though. I think you're, I think you're beating <laughs> yourself and me up a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Just tell me if I'm close here. I feel like I spent most of my younger years taking jobs for survival. Sure. I don't know if you feel like that, but it was never really like, I felt like I had a choice. It was, well, yeah. you know, really high unemployment in the eighties, as you recall. And it was like, well, I need to take care of my wife and, you know, then my family as I started to have kids. And then it was, you know, oh my God, all this other yeah. stuff, you know, so it was survival, 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 just getting bigger. And then I suddenly realized if I knew, it, it's like, I used to want the cookies. Now I want the recipe. Absolutely. Teach me to make money and gener generate cash. Well, That's the magic. Yeah. You know, it's like the old saying, teach them how to fish. Don't give them the fish. So there you are. Yeah. Yes, learn, learn, learn the process. Yes. If they're better at work, they'll be better at home with their money. If they're better at home with their money, they'd be better in the community. They're just better people. It's interesting. This is all good stuff. I wish we could talk forever. We'll have to do this again soon. Okay. Anytime. All right. Steve Baker, thank you so much. Once again, in the notes of this podcast, all of the information to get a hold of Steve and to get the free books. Okay. There'll be a link to the one page, and then they can get both books. Is that it? Yeah, there's a, a host of different resources, all for free, just to help you get started, get familiar with what we're doing and how we do it. Awesome. Hey, Steve, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Jim, it's my pleasure. Good to see you.